You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 708 of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Wednesday the 29th of March. Plenty to come on today's podcast as we'll hear from Sam Hocknell of Fitstairs as he runs us through the first season sire market ahead of the first British two-year-old race, the Brocklesby, on Saturday. Before Sam Thomas discusses his Grand National Hope, Our Power, before we head off to the US and Hong Kong. But first, I'm joined by Sir Michael Stout's assistant, James Savage. And James, we all saw the performance from the Japanese-trained Equinox in Saturday's Shima Classic. And the excitement that has built since then is about the possibility of him showing up in the arc to take on the best the British have to offer. And we'll come to that in a second. But first, we haven't seen Desert Crown since he landed the derby last season. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's in he's in good form. He's in good form, um, Charlotte. I think um, after after his setback there, after the derby and the uh, the main targets were ruled out, he he had a long, really nice long break up at um, Dalham Hall Stud. Um, so he you know he really he really wound down and recuperated properly and did did it the right way. So we've just been nice and gentle with him throughout the um, throughout the spring so far, and he's into half speed work now. So. Everything's looking good, and I would think a race like the Brigadier Gerard on the 25th of May might be a target. Um, the boss likes that race. It's a, it's a nice stepping stone um, into into um, Royal Ascot or the King George, something like that sort of plan. But we'll know a lot more after after the Brigadier, hopefully. And the clash between Desert Crown and Equinox sounds it could be unlikely to happen in the arc with connections of the Japanese train start not wanting to run on the almost predictable softer going at Longchamp. But that's not to say they couldn't meet elsewhere. First, what did you make of Equinox's performance and would a clash like that excite you? Oh, it would excite me for sure. You know, we, 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 we all work in this industry to see these big races and, you know, the, the, the big clashes, I mean... I was equally impressed with the horse that finished second, Westover. I thought he, uh, you know, he didn't have the smoothest passage through, and I, I think he's going to be a serious horse this year, back on home turf especially. And uh, I, 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 the winner was visually very impressive. I think he got it easy on the lead, but still broke the track record and quickened away up the straight and did it in, in an easy fashion. To be honest, let's be honest, he's a, he's a, he's a very serious horse. I mean. I would love to see, I would love to see a race like the King George and Equinox Desert Crown, you know, Adair of Charlie Appleby's, the Derby winner, and and Westover. That'd be some. That'd be some. That'd be a mouth-watering clash. I, I, I can see why they're 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 sort of talking about the arc, but you know, he's a good action horse, Equinox. The way he quickened on that nice fast ground in in Dubai would, would um, yeah, soft ground would worry me with him. If, if if I'm honest, so I can see their thinking there. Um, Japan are just getting stronger and stronger, aren't they? You know, they're 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 breeding much better horses, and they're 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 taking it to the rest of the world at the moment. And it's um it's exciting time for them. 
And just talking about the ground warriors for Equinox, would there be any for Desert Crown should he turn up in the arc and it came up soft? No, no, he's very versatile ground-wise. I mean, I mean, a, a good ground or easier is probably perfect for him. The You know, the way he quickened as a two-year-old and really soft autumn ground at Nottingham was 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 impressive. He didn't just stay to the line. He picked up again a furlong out, um, which um, so ground wouldn't worry me at all with, with Desert Crown. Do you think? Do you think also there's still plenty more to come that we maybe didn't see the best of him as his season was cut short last year? Absolutely. You know, I don't want to build this. I don't want to build it up to. You know, the horse has got to come back and do it all again. Obviously, but you know, he's developed physically. You know, he to to, to win, to go from a Nottingham maiden to a Dante and then to a Derby. I think is quite a remarkable thing to do, and. You know he's 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 developing now more. He's putting on weight. He's strengthening up behind the saddle. Um, um, our head girl Sarah Denif, who, who looks after him so well and manages him, you know, commented to me this week how he's really strengthened up through his back and he's he's becoming a real solid full horse now, which which he was always going to. You know, he's three to four. They always take a a big step forward physically, in my opinion, and even four to five. So. Um, I think there is improvement, uh, but let's just get into the, the race like the Brigadier and, and start again and see what we've got. Of course, over similar trips, you've also got Baybridge, who won the champion stakes on his latest start. Will the plan be to keep them apart this season? I think ground will define that as well as, you know, we've never really um, been afraid of running horses in the same races. We ran three in the King George of the year. We finished first, second and third. We Crystal Ocean and Poets Word ran together in the King George. That's not something that we would do, you know, directly. But Baybridge will come to hand a bit earlier than Desert Crown. So you'd be looking at a race like the Gordon Richards on the 28th of April, maybe, to start him off. Like He, he would have a, a £7 penalty. And I see, I read that Adeo might be going there. So that'd be tough for him, but you have to start somewhere. And you generally do get nice ground at Sandown that time of year. So it would be a perfect stepping stone. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's not something we, do, you know, we look to do, keep them apart. But if, if they both came at the same time and they had to run the same race, there'd, there'd be no reason why they wouldn't. Ground-wise, you know, just mentioning there, he needs a bit of cut. He's got an entry in the Tassels Gold Cup in Ireland. Do you think some of the races into France might come into play for him then? I think you have to keep an open mind. The owners are very, very willing to to enter him in 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 all them races because, you know, you don't know what you get at Royal Ascot. Now you can't predict, you know, you can't predict the the the, the ground you can get at place like Royal Ascot or the Eclipse. So you have to keep an open mind, and realistically, you are going to have you are going to get more easing the ground in France and Ireland so that's something we have to be very open-minded to and that's why we've we've given them them entries you know. Finally Nostrum looked a very smart two-year-old last season winning a group three at Newmarket before finishing third in the Dewhurst. He was a big horse last year how's he developed over the winter? Yeah he's, he's certainly a big horse and he's, he's even bigger now. Um, he's a horse with a great mind, easy to train, I mean he, he Ideally, we would have looked to run at Doncaster on his second start to give us a longer gap to the Dewhurst with him being such a big, robust horse. But um, we didn't make Doncaster, so we had to go to Newmarket, which he won well. But that only gave us, I think it was 16, 15, 16 days to the Dewhurst, which isn't ideal, you know, he, with, with a horse of his size and scope. But, you know, we were delighted with the way he ran in the Dewhurst, and I'm pretty sure that race is going to work out well because... 
personally, I think the winner Childine could be quite a special horse. Um, so, so everything's going smooth. Um, we'll 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 train him. We'll train him throughout the spring. He's doing everything right, and and see what happens and what the Judmont family and Barry Mann wants us to do with him around May time. But um, he's training well, and he's yeah, he's a, he's he's a very very nice horse. Very exciting horse to have in the yard. So the two thousand guineas at Newmarket is still on the radar. Absolutely, you know, and, and we we put him in the um, Barry asked us to put him in the French and the Irish guineas, so they have options. Um, you know, it, 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 he he was. Um, he was quoted saying that he wouldn't be afraid of running together, but you know, they might be kept apart. So we'll just see what happens in, in the uh, trials and uh, see where we go. But we we wouldn't need to go to a trial ideally. You know, he's ran three times. He's ran twice at Newmarket, so um, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted there. So that there'd be no real reason for us to go for a trial unless we thought it would bring him on fitness wise. Just finally, Circle of Fire, he holds an entry in the Derby. It would be great to go there with the King having a runner. Is that a realistic target for him? Uh, you know, we, we, we left him in there because he, he really did please us with the way he quickened up at Salisbury. Um, he's a long, big horse. He's going to stay. He's definitely going to stay that trip and even more. So um, it's, it's an option. That's why we left him in there. We'd, at the moment, he's not doing enough to judge on where he's at, but we'd have to take in something realistically in 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 april there to see whether he would be worth going to to york or or something like that you know so we're definitely keeping an open mind and uh, he looks great and he's done physically he's a lovely big horse with it again with a great mind and um we're hopeful that he can make up into a, a really nice horse so yeah that's why we left him in there you know you have to keep your options open because until you get into the track in april or early may you just don't know what you've got but he's certainly pleasing us at the moment Jane Mangan is alongside me today. And Jane, we've just listened to James Savage talk about three extremely exciting horses and their season ahead. Baybridge looks like he'll be out first and then Desert Crown heading to Sandown, all being well, with Nostrum targeting one of the guineas. Which one would you be most excited about? Um, it's very early to say with Nostrum. He's, he's a horse full of potential um, it is it is interesting to me that Nostrum doesn't have a Derby entry. I get it that he's by Kingman and he obviously has showed them a lot of speed. Um, but you know he is out of a Dubai destination mare out of out of Sadler as well. So they obviously feel that he's not a mile and a half horse. That he's a quicker horse than that. So we'll be interested to see what he can do in a Guineas. Um, not completely avoiding your question, I do think Desert Crown is is the special horse, the horse that could be special amongst them. Look, we've only seen him three times. Um, you couldn't help but be impressed with what you saw in the Dante and, and then on to, to Epsom and what he did there. I, I, again, not surprised that he's starting back in the Brigadier's yard. It seems to be a happy, comforting place for Sir Michael Stout to reintroduce some of his nice older horses. He's done it with Not Now Cato. Uh, he did it with Opera House way back in the 90s. Um but more recently, Poets World, Regal Reality and, of course, Baybridge last year all started their winning ways back in that race. Uh, and Baybridge, look, I can understand why they'll be watching the ground, but there's plenty of rain falling at the moment. And if he is coming to hand rather quickly, they may want to get him out early because they might be disappearing for the middle of the summer uh, with a view to the, the autumn campaign. But I was at Ascot to see him finish his, his season in the best possible style. And I'm sure James Wigan and, and Baddy Lynch Stud will be looking forward to an exciting season with him. Yeah, and Nostrum for the Guineas has been plenty of chat about the best three-year-olds that possibly Aidan O'Brien has to offer. 
this season. August Rodan, would you be a big fan of his, of what we've seen so far? Yeah, I I saw him at Leopardstown. I actually saw him at Nace uh, on his debut and, um, or sorry, his second start when he won his maiden. He he just, he does look to have it all. Look, Rhododendron, uh, brilliant multiple group one winner, out of a multiple group one winner herself. Um, and then you cross that with Deep Impact as a pedigree uh, nerd, what's not to like there. But the Guineas is the Guineas. And are you going to say that you'd be thinking the known in ever? The little big bear could be the more, you know, quicker over the mile. Well, they do say that new market guineas takes a bit of staying. So it'll be interesting to see if Aiden runs both, uh, which come out on top. I know he's not afraid to run these horses against each other, but he was mentioning triple crowns for August Rodan. And we know the first leg of that. Uh, but he'll have to be very good. We're going to see Noble Style hopefully soon. And Chaldean, they might meet in the Greenham. Uh, not forgetting Sakir for Roger Varian if he goes there. You've mentioned Nostrum. It sounds like Joseph O'Brien's targeting Al Rifa at uh, the Irish Guineas. But Paul and Annie Cole have got Royal uh, Scotsman, who's got loads of experience in his juvenile year, going potentially going there as well. So this is a really exciting time of year, Charlotte. There's a lot of horses with the dreams very much alive. Uh, I think the only bubble that's been burst in the last couple of days is Kiprios, the older horse that seems to be out for a prolonged period of time this season due to an injury. And I hope he won't have too many horses join that list. Whilst bubbles certainly won't be burst for first season sires this weekend, they certainly could gain some air as the first two-year-old race of the season in Britain takes place on Saturday at Doncaster. And so I thought now was a good time to catch up with Sam Hocknell of Fitstairs and get an update on the first season sire market, with plenty looking set to have runners in the Brocklesby. Uh, yeah, so we're, this year we're making Blue Point the favourite at uh, five to two. We're three to one, ten sovereigns, uh, four to one, Inns of Court, uh, five to one's two darn hot and Soldiers Call, uh, and then we're sort of bigger the rest. So fourteen to one, Land Force, advertised uh, sixteen to one, Magna Grecia, and uh, sort of twenties bar. And what factors do you take into account when trying to price up these first season size? Obviously the. Uh, ability they showed on the track and possibly the yearling sale average? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we sort of start with sort of four metrics, really. Um, the biggest thing for us is is the fault, is the sort of numbers of foals on the ground. So we look at look at the foal sizes um, when we get the return of mares. And then, and then from there, the race record of these, uh, these sort of standings is two-year-olds. The sort of sales average, and then we do have a look at the the sires, sires that have proven they can either do it themselves or have in the past produced uh, sort of good efforts or or even winners of the first season sire. So Blue Point, how many uh, how many has he got running for him? We got it down as one hundred and forty. Um, we got him down as uh, the second most behind Inza Court with one fifty one, um, and sort of with his with his covering fee and the quality of mares, we think he'd see him. That's sort of what pushed us to make him favourite, even though probably marginally wasn't the best of them as a two-year-old. I think what he manages to do in his last season sort of secured him an extremely high-quality book of mares for his first season. Yeah, he's an interesting one because, well, sprinters aren't always two-year-olds. He seems to do as uh, he was best at five, won his first group one at four. If you had to take him on, what else, sort of a, a slightly bigger price, have you seen a bit of money for? Um, <clears throat> well, two down hot, we put in bigger. We had him eight and we've gone to fives. Um, I think you could definitely argue that he was the best of this lot as a as a two-year-old. 
Um, the Barwies produced Knight of Thunder, who went very close to being a first season sire, a champion first season sire. Um, he's only got 106 foals on the ground, which which might be his limiting factor. Um, but as sort of sales average for yearlings of 119 probably gives him a very good chance, I think. And Magna Grisha, he had a winner in France last weekend. He's had one already. Has he got too few runners? Is that why he's a bigger prize? I think so, yeah. He's he's only got 93. Um, so 93 foals, you're not really sure how many of those are going to run. He could just be a bit low. But yeah, one from one already. Um, and he's been by Invincible Spirit. They've got a great record of um in this so he, he would have a great chance but it seems yeah 10 sovereigns seems to get maybe he's got the more mares whether he got the better ones i'm not sure but say uh, yeah it could just be a limiting factor the just the amount of uh runners he's going to have of course the uk flat season kicks off this weekend at doncaster and you've got the first uk two-year-old race the brockles beat would you expect to see a bit of money changing hands after that race has been run Yes, <clears throat> well, it depends. It depends which ones which ones go and how they run. But yeah, if if one of these was to have the winner of this, um, we definitely see some money. And I think then the next time is when we get to the breeze up breeze up to the Craven meeting. Um, that's sort of the next time the market's going to go down, and that's when we see probably the biggest change after that. I think. And do you do a market as well on prize money, or is it just simply the amount of winners? Uh, it's always been numbers. Prize money is a little bit difficult. Um, we've had some requests. We've had um, we've had a few requests this year. We've had uh, Phoenix of Spain to be champion two-year-old sire Ascot this year, which was an interesting one. Um, we've looked at doing prize money in the past. It was a little tricky, but I think if it was, Blue Point would be an even stronger favourite on that one. And if you were putting your money down now on something, what would you be backing? I think Blue Point's definitely right at the top of the market, but I've the sort of tally ho facts with the last few years. Um, they won three on the spin, um, and Intercourt does have the numbers this year. You probably I've never know if it makes too much of a difference, but just having a sort of lower sales average does allow them to get into some of those um, sort of restricted races, sort of bands B, C, and D. So whether the that helps option. him or not, I'm not sure. But um, maybe him at four to one would be uh, probably where my money was going. Jane, you'll have seen plenty of these two-year-olds uh, by the first season size, possibly around the yearling sales, or heard a bit about how some of them been getting on at home. Who would your money be on this season? You know, it's it's again, it's another funny funny topic because all of the chat um, in in January, February is about what horses. I suppose as somebody who covers their mares, what you want to use, and uh, there's been a lot of positive talk about Blue Points and Ten Sovereigns and Soldiers Call and. Magna Grisha's had his winner and we saw Invincible Army horse run very well at the Curran. So all of these different things. But ultimately, I think it comes down to numbers. The first season sire game is a lot about opportunity. And you, I don't want to pigeonhole any particular horse, but you take a horse like Two Darn Hot and Blue Point and uh, Magna Grisha, they all have cover quite big books. So they'll obviously have a serious advantage. Um, who my money be on? I, I think Blue Point is a very good chance, but I'm I'm very excited to see the, the two down hots out and see what they can do. Because he, 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 lest we forget how good he was at two and how well-bred he is, uh, I'd be interested to see them. But do I actually care at the end of the day how many 
uh, individual winners a horse gets. No, I want to see at the in the autumn if any of them are good enough to be running in uh, in those stakes races, those good two year old races at the end of the year. That's what really matters, and uh, it is a good talking point. We all love a good debate, but uh, ultimately, a lot of the first season sire, you know, talk comes down to opportunity. And a jockey who's returning just in time and may well land a ride in the Rocklesby is Holly Doyle, who's been off since mid-January with an elbow injury. She's set to return at Newcastle on Friday with one ride for Archie Watson. And whilst the flat may be taking centre stage this weekend, the jump season certainly isn't over and the Aintree Grand National is just two weeks away. We had the latest entry stage yesterday when 16 were scratched, 57 are now left and just 18 of these are British. That's quite a disappointing number, isn't it, Jane? It is, but it's not surprising. Um, You know, the UK programme is filled with staying handicap chases. So it's a little bit disappointing that the biggest staying handicap chase of all has only attracted 31, nearly 32% of British trained horses. Now, you do have the favourite, Cora Grambler, two-time ultimate chase winner at Cheltenham. And the last trainer to actually win, the last UK-based trainer to win the Ancient Grand National is Lucinda Russell. And she won the race in 2017 with one for Arthur. So she can very much give herself a, a huge opportunity bringing up that double considering he seems to be 10 pounds well in uh, given his mark before he won at Cheltenham um, and right behind him in the market are, are high weighted horses Noble Yates is second favourite he's got 11 stone 11 Dell to work 11 4 he's your third favourite any second now 11 12 for the 11 year old I've heard that JJ Slevin is okay to ride Longhouse Poet. There was a little bit of a, a worry that he'd be suspended given the fact that he got a suspension at Cheltenham and that following weekend in Ireland. But he is okay to take the ride on Longhouse Poet who won it down Royal on the Friday of Cheltenham when most of us were not looking. Um, interesting to see if Guyer Dumanil goes here after winning the National Hunt Chase. Galvin is in contention as well. But as I mentioned, they're all Irish. I believe you've been in contact with somebody in the UK who has a live chance as well. I have. I spoke to Sam Thomas earlier, who's our power, needs just one more to come out to guarantee him a place in the lineup. He's six pounds well in after his win at Kempton in February. And I just asked Sam whether he'd missed Cheltenham intentionally with our power. Uh, absolutely. Um, he felt that probably he was going to come a bit too soon. And uh, with the sort of possibility of getting into the national, we didn't want him to have a hard race uh, in what was going to be sort of softer ground that he'd like anyway, um, especially off the back of a you know, a really good win um, a few weeks before. So, yeah, we kind of felt it didn't owe us anything and you don't get many opportunities to sort of target a horse for the National and um, fingers crossed it's all coming together now. He's still only eight and if his last couple of runs are anything to go by, he's still very much on the upgrade. Is he a horse that you've seen flourish even at home this season? Uh, I'd love to say yes, Charlotte, but not really, no. He's so laid back. Um, you know, you have to drag him on and off the walk or he plugs along to the gallop, gets on with his work and plugs back again. So he's uh, very straightforward for us to train, but he's not one that comes alive at home very much at all, really. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he saves his best for the track, which I guess is, which I guess is what you want. That sort of mentality then, will that help him get the trip, do you think? He's done his winning at three miles this year. Do you, think, do you see the sort of four and a quarter being a problem? Uh, you never quite know. I know. I guess um, having ridden in it, I've ridden horses. I thought would get the trip, but they haven't. But uh, certainly, the way he races a little bit lazily is, al- is always going to be a positive. I, I, I think. 
and um, you know, if a horse is ever going to stay, I think uh, that's that's the way you'd like them. But uh, yeah, of course, it's an unknown. But we've got to we've got to live in hope. And ground wise for him as well, you wouldn't want you would you want sort of decent ground if you could get it. Yeah, no, I'm just delighted to see all the rain around just so we can get on with our runners now. But really and truly, yeah, we don't want uh, too much rain for him, to be honest. The better the ground, the better, really. Um, he's flatbred. Um, he will go on soft, but, um, you know, I think uh, if, if we were sort of good to soft, soft, we'd be happy. Softer would be, you know, not, not a concern, but it would just uh, play against us, I would have thought. You say he's flatbred. It's kind of amazing. He's by Power, who was a miler. <laughs> I mean, I guess when he was born, they never would have envisaged a Grand National being on his radar. No, absolutely. And I think um, maybe the way we train sort of puts stamina into them as well. Obviously, the deep, deep sand, deep sand gallop. And um, I'm convinced that that sort of helps these horses uh, to, to sort of stay, to stay in their races. Um, and um, like I say, being off the flat, I think that certainly it makes them very streetwise anyway. And I think that's probably why you see you see him sort of racing slightly lazily and, and, and uh, saving saving plenty of petrol. He's, like I say, he's been on the go since he's a young horse and um, he certainly knows what life's all about. So sometimes you, you do get those horses off the flat. They're not ungenuine, but they, they just know, they know what they're doing. And you've won a Welsh National as a trainer. What would it mean to win the big one now at Aintree? Uh, to be honest, I can't even begin to imagine, to be honest. It's just uh, incredible to think about having a runner more than anything so um yeah no i'm not even gonna really yeah dare to dream if you like but uh yeah just having a runner there and being in the parade ring for the world's biggest steeplechase it's going to be an incredible feeling really and what sort of team might join him there gray diamond was very impressive at haydot the other day would he be a possible yeah that's the plan um i don't see why not um yeah he's had a bit of a hike for that and also for the time before where he fell so he's up to his sort of highest ever mark now so it's not going to be easy for him going there but yeah hopefully he'll go there uh, good risk at all to line up the two and a half uh, handicap hurdle he'll come on enormously for Cheltenham so he'll go there with a bit of an each way chance hopefully um, and potentially one other in the boys race but we'll have to wait and see but yeah we're, we're, we're not going to have a load up there but fingers crossed uh, we'll have a you know, horse with chances of, of course um, our dancer for the top one so um, very excited about him he, he, he showed that he loved the fences the last day and yeah, he, he could be could be a lively outsider providing uh, providing you stand up. Sam, it looks like you're off to market raisin today. Three runners, they all look like they've got a chance. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's got a bit to prove today. Uh, a very talented horse. Just uh, you know, he, he sort of hasn't quite got it together this season, but we know he's a very good horse. And if he's not winning today, you know, it won't be long before he is winning. So um, just nice to get a good clear round into him today, and hopefully see him finishing off his race well. Um, Jubilee Express over three miles for the first time. Uh, we really, really like him. Um, so it might be a sharp enough track for him, but uh, over that trip he should be fine. So he's going to make a lovely staying chaser in time. And then we've got uh, a lovely bumper horse who we think plenty of, and hopefully he can get the job done today. He'll be well. Great. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time this morning. Best of luck at Market Raisin this afternoon, and then also on to Aintree. Thanks, Charlotte. Take care. So I'm joined this morning by Harlan Malter of Iron Horse Racing Stables, ahead of the release of GBRI's new video series, An American Dream, The Return to Royal Ascot. 
Harlan, this series follows you in your mission to once again have a runner at the Royal Meeting. You made the trip over from the US in 2018 when your horse Bucaro finished fifth in the King's Stand, only beaten just over four lengths by the likes of Blue Point and Batash. As well as that, he ran at two Breeders' Cups, won multiple stakes races. And for many people, he'd have been the horse of a lifetime, but he's even more special than that to you. Just explain why. Well, um, you know, I think a lot of people have been uh, very fortunate to have um, a lot of very good horses. And uh, we've had some very nice horses that we've loved. I love owning horses, but uh, he really uh, was the type of horse everyone dreams about having. He was really the best thing about him was no matter where we ran him, no matter when we ran him, he ran. And that was what was so neat about Ascot when the when the the, the, the opportunity came to run at Ascot. Uh, he was one of the rare horses. We felt like we could uh, we could challenge him with that and bring him over and and see what he could do. And um, it was uh, it, it, he kind of came along at a time where uh, in my life I had some things uh, going on that um, were very difficult. And um, he he just was a bright spot. He's a, he's an incredibly special horse. Uh, He's kind of almost become a, a son to me. And uh, a lot of people in America have probably followed along with uh, my quest to turn him into a stallion. And he has his first crop uh, that ran uh, two-year-olds last year. They just turned three and have had a little bit of success. And uh, it's really just been something that um, I think when when you buy a horse and you're a little owner, um, to get to be as fortunate to have some just one horse like this in your life is um, is really all you could ever ask for. And he's, he's really he's been a dream to, to own. And he, you know, he took you, as you mentioned, to races that only people, some people can only dream of. But why does his runner Ascot really stand out the most? Why is, have you got such a rich desire to return there? Well, I think I, I think what's interesting is, um, and I've said this before, I, I, for some reason, I, maybe before all the sports uh, have, have kind of dominated media, uh, the Olympics were just such a, uh, a important thing that everyone looked forward to every every couple of years. And the competition, the world competition, seems very close now. Everybody seems very close because of the ability to see things. But uh, back then, you know, when you turned on TV and you saw the Olympics somewhere and you saw the Americans competing, it was just always a dream of mine. And, uh, you know, uh, I was an athlete. I was never able to compete internationally. And when given the opportunity to to go to a world class uh, meet that does such an amazing job of bringing horses from all over the world um, to compete in one place uh, in front of the queen. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, when he was there, uh, as much as I wanted him to win, um, really what was most important was to give him the chance and uh, to kind of put him on that stage to kind of show what he could do. And that's really what made me so proud about the effort he put in. Uh, uh, just just never quit, ran hard, and uh, it was a thrilling experience. And, and I've met some amazing people, obviously. And world, the world horse racing world is uh, much smaller than uh, the world uh, when you get to start to meet everybody. And uh, we now have horses in Australia, and uh, we're uh, actually one of the Bucaros, just uh, a two-year-old just sold and is heading to France, which uh, I may end up becoming part of. And uh, it's just been an amazing experience becoming part of the international community. And I really think Royal Ascot is uh, really at the top of that pyramid. You've expressed your desire to bring a progeny of Bucaros back to Royal Ascot. And I believe that last week you bought one. Just tell us a bit about that. 
Well, it was something that I had been thinking about um, right from the start. And uh, I kind of wanted to wait that first crop uh, to run through and, and see what kind of quality we're getting. I think uh, with every stallion, you don't know um, how much of his talent he's going to pass through. And he's, he's done a fantastic job. He had a very successful year. And I said, you know what, uh, the time has come and uh, I'm going to go and see if I can find somebody, uh, a type of horse that could fit that mold. Um there were uh, six available at the March OBS sale, which is really the United States' first uh, breeze sale. Um, and uh, we had our eye on something that hopefully we could uh, could, could produce some early results. Uh, we're on a very, very tight timetable, obviously, uh, to get to June. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough when you have tons of time and you have tons of horses to choose from. So we're very realistic as far as, um, you know, this is a, a kind of a, a, a real hope uh, a guarantee. So um, we purchased a, a very nice two-year-old Bucero who we're very happy with. He's very forward. Um, he'll be heading to Gulfstream uh, Park this week uh, with Joe Arsino, um, who actually brought Impermis uh, over to the King Stand the year uh, after Bucero. Um, we have a chunk of horses with him, and he's going to tell us. That's how we always are with horses. Uh, if he's if he's forward and he wants to go, and we'll get him in the gate and we'll see where we are, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Does he remind you of Bacaro at all? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's 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 built like a sprinter. Um, Bucaro uh, probably has a little more scope than this horse. This horse looks, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, Bucaro has stamped them quite well. Uh, they don't all have four white socks, um, but they tend to have his shoulder, uh, his back end, and and this horse is really is really no different. So, I definitely uh, I have a type, and uh, the good thing is Bucaro has been stamping them. So I have a lot to choose from when I when I go to the sales to look for one to buy. We had a feature last week on the podcast about the Royal Ascot win and you're in race for two-year-olds at Gulfstream Park in May. Will this be the target then for him if he's ready to go? Absolutely. And the, the timing of that was uh, quite interesting. Uh, the press release, I think, came out while I was on the grounds at OBS um, within minutes of having just looked at that two-year-old. Uh, it was something we were uh, planning to do, and I know Wesley, who I'm friendly with, and is, just does such an amazing job. Uh, he has a whole program uh, that starts much, much earlier than March to uh, hope to get them there. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be running against a couple Wesley horses if we're lucky enough to get in the gate. But I think it's a fantastic uh, idea, and it's probably something that, um, if they can keep it going, will be something that people really will target. Um, I think that uh, the opportunity to get over there and and run at Ascot, and I think the more Americans, I think the TV coverage has been fantastic at Royal Ascot and I think the more owners that see this experience uh, the more will uh, try to take a chance at that brass ring and I think that um, that race is a, is a really great stepping stone so yes uh, this this horse will go uh, he'll go to Gulfstream and you know obviously he's a lot of a lot of things he has to do show the talent get in the gate win, win a race or two and uh, we're hoping we're hoping we can uh, we can take that journey again with this one but if not we'll keep trying well, you, you haven't stopped there because actually, well, a few months ago, back in November, you were over in the UK at Tassels and bought a mare, Improvise. Um, she's more of a long-term plan that will hopefully allow you to have a mini Bucara running at Royal Ascot in the future in the form of her progeny. But she's still in training, is that right? Or will she be covered this year? 
Correct. So we, we purchased her in December with the idea that um, we liked her pedigree. I mean, she's from the, 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 the Queen's um, line of breeding. Um, we were thrilled with her um, as a physical for Bucero. And obviously, we didn't know what type of runner we had. So we brought her over, uh, gave her to Mark Cassie and Ocala. And I, you know, I really said to Mark, you know, if, if you feel this horse has a little bit of talent and some run uh, going forward, uh, let's, let's move forward. And uh, he's been thrilled with her. Uh, she's trained absolutely lights out. Um, we've run her twice in very, very high quality, high company um, allowances. And um, she has not taken at this point to, I think, uh, maybe a very, very different surface and uh, configuration at Gulfstream. Um, so we're very likely to send her to Mark's um, uh to market Woodbine. Uh, I think Woodbine will probably suit her uh, both in the configuration and the surface a little better. And so we will continue to campaign her this year um, with a target of hopefully having some fun racing. She's in, she's under our syndicate and we'll, we'll run her this, this summer and uh, we'll see where we are in the fall. And most likely she will be bred to Bucaro and um, uh, that, that'll just, as I mentioned, when I bought her, that, that hopefully will bring a, kind of a, a UK bloodline into Bucero that, um, you know, will fit when we, we try to bring that baby back to the, to, to the UK. Thank you very much to Harlan Malta there. Episode one is now available um, on Great British Racing International social platforms. Search at GBRI underscore UK on Twitter and Instagram, Great British Racing International on Instagram and YouTube. It'll also be available on Ascot's social media platforms. And now from the US to Hong Kong, and here's Jim McGrath with the latest. There were mixed feelings after the Hong Kong horses got home from their trip to the Dubai World Cup meeting last weekend. There was certain pride in uh, Side Success's fourth and Duke Wise fifth in the Hong Kong sprint. The winner of the Yelk Quas, Danya, had won a heritage handicap at uh, Ascot for Owen Burrows and then been second at the Royal Meeting to star sprinter Highfield Princess, giving her £9. And the Elkwa's second, the Aussie sprinter The Astrologist, had finished second and sixth in the last two runnings of the country's established top sprint, the new market, at Flemington. So the form lines were not bad, but I suppose the mixed feelings came because side success had finished just behind Hong Kong stars Lucky Swainess and Wellington, in the Centenary Sprint Cup, and most Hong Kongers reckon they are bordering on world class. Well, maybe we got it slightly wrong. Though taking into account the travel and the very different environment, they brought credit on their connections. Of that, there is no doubt. Elsewhere, the story wasn't so good. Russian Emperor and Senor Toba were both disappointing in the Shima Classic. However, deep breath... John Size, Site Success's trainer, is back now in Hong Kong, and I reckon he can win a race at Sha Tin today. Yes, that's right, Sha Tin. The Happy Valley track is being rested this week, and it's an all-weather fixture at Sha Tin, so look for dirt specialists if you can find them. Well, the size-trained Shining Fortune is probably not a dirt specialist, but his record's not bad. He's had a first and a third in three starts so far on the surface, and he's going very well. 
More than that, though, he's drawn uh, gate number one, and this is in race four. He's uh, drawn the inside, and he'll be very hard to beat when he parks in behind the uh, the pace and is asked for an effort in the home straight. So race four, number five, Shining Fortune, to be ridden by Karis Teton, to beat number 10, The Multiplier, take them in a tote swinger and other multiples. Later on, uh, Hugh Bowman rides Royal Bomb for Casper Founds. That's got a great chance in race six. It's run two great races recently, Royal Bomb, on the all-weather. Uh, both times ridden by Jamie Carr, who unfortunately is uh, still in a pretty bad way in Melbourne. She was badly concussed following uh, a recent fall. Is going to be out for months, which is a, a great pity. So uh, best wishes to her for a full recovery. But back to Royal Bomb, race six, number three, Royal Bomb, I think can win from number four, Hava Nagila. And later on, race seven, number eight, Youthful Deal, I think can win for Zach Purton. So that's Sha Tin on the uh, dirt track, the all-weather. Uh, that's today, and that's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. Jane is still with me. Jane, there was an article by Mark Costello in the Irish Field on Saturday regarding the media rights to Irish racing and Arena Racing Company making a last-minute bid just before the racecourses are preparing to sign a new five-year deal with SIS RMG. What's going on here? Yes, Mark Costello in the Irish Field on Saturday and Brian O'Connor in the Irish Times as well. They both reported on this that Arena Racing Company was prepared to offer a guaranteed €100,000 per meeting for live pictures from a handful of Irish tracks. The handful of Irish tracks being the United Irish Race Courses, made up of the five breakaways, uh, Limerick, Thurless, Kilbegan, Roscommon and Sligo. Look, this has been dragging on a while now because the uh, HRI's um, Media Rights Committee had their process last year they agreed and announced in October that the preferred bidder was RMG and SIS. Um, and since then, it seems the five tracks, the United Irish Racecourses, were not pleased or not happy um, to to proceed with this deal. Now, AIR's Paddy Walsh made his feelings very clear on the uh, on the ARC offer. Now, it's worth noting that Paddy Walsh steps down uh, um, as AIR chief this Friday, so I'm sure they'll be hoping to get the deals across the line before he departs. But he is quoted in today's Racing Post uh, by Richard Forrestal as saying that we entered into a very lengthy process on this a long way back. We sent a tender document to the marketplace. We got a number of interested parties who bid for it. We went through all their bids and we selected two companies as our preferred bidders. Now we're in a period of exclusive negotiation with those parties. If some of those people who are excluded from the process earlier want to come along and allege that they are making another bid, they are not doing it within the process. So we aren't giving it any weight as part of our consideration because it's not part of our process. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't affect us and the Media Rights Committee can't entertain it. We are not considering any communications with anyone else outside the process. So that pretty much makes it black and white. And he does mention at the end of today's piece, the figure we're being told about is 100 Sorry, this isn't Paddy Walsh now. This is just in the in the Racing Post. The figure we're being told about is €100,000 
But what that doesn't tell you is the costs that are taken from that source. There is a fixture fee of around 8% and the data rights fee of around 8%. So it's 16% out of the 100,000 straight away. So um, it's, it's a snappy headline. Of course, it has captured a lot of us uh, attention-wise. But the other kind of um, murmur around the country is the possible sale of Dundalk. Um, Charlotte, Dundalk makes up 10% of the entire Irish fixture list. It is a huge contributor to uh, to racing here in Ireland. And there has been a murmur that ARC have expressed interest in purchasing Dundalk Stadium. Again, not confirmed, but it is a worry. And um, so it seems like this ongoing process to actually lock down the media rights for the foreseeable future has another few chapters yet to be told. Um, what effect would it have on racing in Ireland if they did split and we had the two deals? Um, well, you'd imagine it'll have a, a huge effect on whether the initial deal would be signed at all, because I, I would imagine that when um, those companies made their bid um, for for the media rights, that it was with those five tracks included and, and their fixtures included. So it would probably change the value of the overall deal. It would be it would be hugely significant. Look, Thurless, Limerick, Kilbegan, Roscommon, Sligo, they all have their reasons. Um, they have had uh, words with HRI. Both parties have said um, their own, made their, their own feelings clear, but ultimately they need to put their differences aside now and do what's right um, for, for racing and for them and come to some kind of a mediation, some kind of conclusion, because it seems to be dragging out a long time now. The tracks in the UK, they can, they're entitled to choose which, which deal to take and who to partner up with. Shouldn't the tracks in Ireland be allowed to do the same? That's a valid point, and that's a point that has been made by Paddy, Paddy Dunnigan of, of Kilbegan. Um, again, it's it's something that I... that. I don't know enough about, if I'm honest. AIR has always been the umbrella company for representing the Irish tracks. And they've always, as far as I'm aware, gone together. I know some there was some breakaway tracks in, in the UK a number of years back, um, and maybe they'll follow that precedent. But again, I do think that the initial deal that was put forward for tender was with all of the AIR tracks combined. If they are now being asked to sign the deal with five less tracks in the package, I'd imagine the entire package changes. And Jane, just sticking with Ireland before we go, I believe you've got a tip from there today. Yes, well, the flat is back at Navin, and um, it might be a good year to have a stare because Kiprios is out and Subjectives is getting a bit older and you might just need a, a new star to stay. And I think French Claim is quite a decent horse for Paddy Toomey and Team Valley. He runs in the 250 at Navin. He was third in the Irish Derby. He was beaten just five lengths by Elder Elderov in the St. Ledger last year. He handles and ease in the ground, and I think he might be hard to beat in the 250. There we go. And Jane, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to all my guests. Tom Stanley will be back with you tomorrow and Friday, and I'll be back again with a Saturday edition on Friday evening. That was Wednesday, the 29th of March, episode 708. Thank you for listening.
you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.